everyone, except for me, wanted to be the color blue. And blue is my favorite color. There was a blue mallet and a blue ball that went along with a game called croquet. And my nephews and niece all wanted to be blue. How do you figure that one out? So, I can brought together a solution. It was rather complicated, but it was a solution so that everybody could be the color blue. I forgot to mention, my niece especially wanted to be blue. And during the game itself, she would be willing to take away the mallet and the blue ball from one of her brothers because she wanted to be blue so much. When it was finally her turn, she looked at the ball and the mallet, became disinterested, and walked away. I'm done. I'm going, oh, what? You all agree to this? And then, no, I'm going to walk away. There's the theme that we find, and at least one of the sons in the gospel parable. Initially, yes, and then no, I'm going to walk away. Now, Jesus, as you heard Deacon Dennis proclaim, was addressing the parable to the chief priests and elders. They were the top dogs in terms of the religious authorities of their day. And what was happening with them is they had kind of an attitude problem. They would thank God that they were not like those people over there, the prostitutes and tax collectors that Jesus had mentioned. What was happening is that they were saying yes to God to be his worker in the vineyard, to be his leaders in the vineyard. They were saying yes to God, but in their hearts they were saying not yet or just plain no. What was happening in their hearts? Well, it's hard to exactly say, but they were emphasizing their status and position over service. They were emphasizing how they dressed over what that dress meant. They're supposed to be shepherds. They're supposed to be leaders. They were emphasizing observing the externals as far as what the law and the rule was all about in the practice of Judaism, but they really didn't mean it. They would offer sacrifice to the Lord, but that's all it was, sacrifice. They would worship the Lord, but that's all it was was words coming out of their mouths. It wasn't reflecting the disposition of their hearts, and it wasn't reflecting a a sense of conversion of their hearts that was calling them more deeply unto the Lord. They were yes, but really they were saying no. And Jesus commenting upon that particular son that he called to work with him in the vineyard was really saying that, you know, guys, it's important that you have two things. That you recognize your sinfulness, everybody sins, that you recognize your sinfulness, 
and that you repent. Because when those two dynamics occur, and it's helped by the grace of God, then your hearts are inclined towards me. And you can say yes, authentically, to what I'm asking you to do, to labor in the vineyard. And then he's contrasting them, as I said, with the prostitutes and tax collectors. They were outwardly public sinners. They were the individuals who said no to God and his invitation to be a part of the vineyard, to be on his team, if you will, to be laborers in the vineyard. Initially, they said no, and it was a pretty strong no. But then, over time or whatever happened, in their hearts they changed, and they repented of their actions. And there are people then, and there are people now, who fit that category. Some of them are the, the really, in quotation marks, famous sinners, people who have done really despicable things, murdered, terrored, abused, and just the worst upon worst. And at one particular point in time in their lives, they repented, saying yes to God, and it was sincere in their hearts, and their lives changed. The course of their lives changed. Of course, it doesn't have to be that sensational. People who are like that son can be those who have committed adultery or been unfaithful to their spouse in one way or another, but have repented. Those who have had a fairly habitual case of lying, most if not all of the time, and have realized how what a tangled web that is conceived when one first deceives and have repented from that, they've turned away, and, and there's a different course of life that they're taking. Maybe a person was a bully, and you know, they realize that they've harmed other people, which bullying does, and they've repented of that and turned away. Maybe people have had addictions of whatever it might be, have realized by the grace of God how destructive whatever the addiction is in their lives. And they've turned away from it. They've repented of it and gone a different course. Any, all, and many other examples of individuals can be in that particular case of that son that said no, but then said yes to God. And this all harkens back to what we heard from the prophet in the first reading, when he said that if you turn away from vice, bad things, turn away from your sin, and turn to God and, and practice what is right, practice virtue, then you will be saved. But if you're practicing virtue or think you're practicing virtue, good things, good habits, good traits, but then turn away from them and embrace the vice or vices, whatever it might be a part of your life, then you're not saved. Then you're, you're, you're turning away from God, in other words. And Ezekiel says, hey, we've got to turn towards God because the one who ultimately is practicing virtue is the one that God desires, and that is for everyone. Okay, so hmm, 
How can we apply this to our lives? Well, there's lots of examples, maybe as far as what I've talked about already. But, but fundamentally, fundamentally, you and I are being asked to recognize that we're all the same. And I'm not talking about any kind of, of equality movements or anything like that. What I'm talking about is we're the same in our humanity, and we're the same because every single one of us sins. We turn against God. And that we cannot create categories for ourselves to put us here or there, compare ourselves with each other. We're all sinners. We're all in the need of repentance. And we all need to be saved. And if we look at ourselves like that, then we can look at others differently. If we look at ourselves like that, we can say, you know what? I need to repent. I need to have a, a change of mind. We call that a metanoia, a change of mind, a change of course, a significant one in my life. Because I'm calling upon the graces and mercies of God, who will never fail. If we see ourselves like that, that's fundamental in terms of our life with God and participation in the vineyard. And it helps us then to share that, that wisdom, to share that forgiveness with others in a non-judgmental way, because God didn't judge us in a way of saying you can never be forgiven. And so we can't do that either. That we see ourselves in our sinfulness and that God has redeemed and saved each and every one of us. If I can say it this way, sin is the great equalizer. And all we need to do is realize that and turn to the Lord and cry out, save us. And truly, as the second reading reflects, as Jesus was humble, well, that takes humility in terms of our own lives. That we empty ourselves to what are, whatever sins or attitudes that we stick to. Or that we empty ourselves of sticking to ourselves, turning in on ourselves. And rather always turn towards God pouring out ourselves unto God, unto his strength, his love, and his mercy. So if we're that son that says no and then comes to his senses and says yes, great. If we're that son that says yes but never comes to his senses and says no, let's not go there. Let's go the way of forgiveness and salvation that Christ has won for us.